Knockaround high-quality shades go the extra mile. They're affordable, stylish sunglasses that are perfect for running. Starting at only $20, Knockaround sunglasses are offered with both UV 400 protection and polarized lenses. Visit knockaround.com for high-quality shades, prices as cool as they look. We all know we should be eating more fish to get our omega-3s and protein, but the seafood counter can be intimidating. Wild Alaskan Company takes the guesswork out of buying wild-caught seafood. Right now, you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com AMR. When you activate your Birdie personal safety alarm with a quick pull, the alarm will emit a loud siren and flashing strobe light to help deter an attack. Right now, She's Birdie's offering our listeners 15% off their first purchase when you go to she'sbirdie.com AMR. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Adrian Martini. Hello, Adrian. Hello, Sarah. It's nice to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. So you have not, you have run not one, but two <laughs> in-person races. Like you're lapping me here. I have. Yeah. Um, so the first one, I forget about the first one because it was uh, 5K um, and I kind of ran it. Actually, it was a a, a five and a little K because it was actually three point two miles. Okay. Um, they and it was a fundraiser for the local uh, animal shelter, yeah. and it was seven thousand degrees um, with about the same humidity. Uh, <laughs> my expectations were low, given that mm-hmm. it was about the first time I'd run a five K in you know eighteen months or whatever. Uh-huh. uh but yeah it was super fun uh met a bunch of friends good good and um uh, where was your your half marathon in your quest to run a half marathon in right. all 50 states it so, was in i figured that the first race first half back should be in the smallest state because mm-hmm. it was such a big uh momentous uh moment uh so it was in rhode island it was in uh bristol rhode island which is the home of Oh shoot, the name Roger something Roger Williams University, um, but it was along the coast for parts of it, and it was also seven million degrees uh, <laughs> with about the same humidity. It was not pretty. Like the five k the weekend before was awesome. Uh, that Gosh, half I didn't, was. Ugh. I didn't. I didn't envision. I mean, Rhode Island has so much coastline. I envision it as a pretty state. I mean, I've been in Rhode Island. And oh, it it's is gorgeous. A pretty state. Yeah. Oh no no. It's absolutely stunning. Um, my a, performance was. Oh, <laughs> I see. Oh, stunning. I see. It wasn't pretty. Yes. I see. You're using the term metaphor. Well, oh no! Right? Yes, <laughs> yes. It was a metaphor. Uh, yeah, no. Visually beautiful. Um, and the bits and there was some trail stuff on oh. those white oyster shell paths. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, it was. Uh, the race itself was gorgeous. Um, and so me you think at the, the weather- end of it, <laughs> the weather was it your undoing or no, it, the weather was totally my undoing. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I don't know. I feel like I forgot how to race and I kept thinking that, <laughs> oh, it'll come back. You know, it's like riding a bike. Um, it is not. 
<laughs> oh, no. So, I mean, what, what surprised you the most? Like, oh, gosh, I have to keep going mile after mile. I forgot about that. Or this is what it feels like to keep my foot on the gas the whole time. Or what was it? Oh, um, it was more um, mile after mile. And it mm-hmm. was new scenery which was Mm. great but it was also like i have no idea what's coming up like i don't know if there's a hill i don't know if there's not a hill um i don't know if we're in a neighborhood or by the shore like everything is a shock (laughs) you know um and it it was also i mean there were a lot of people and you know we've spent (laughs) some time in the last little bit trying to stay away from people and something was like oh geez people uh okay here we go uh so yeah and it was just also one of those like i didn't sleep well the night before and i didn't have my bagel and like there was a whole series of just Mm. weird little moments Uh um but when the race was about to start i was like i do not want to do this (laughs) i will be doing it (laughs) that's when you're like oh Uh, i chose to be here i this is my own doing and now i have to do it Uh (laughs) yes 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 sometimes Uh. i make poor decisions was essentially (laughs) the thought i had um but I was like, but the course limit is three and a half hours and I will get from the beginning to the end in that amount of time if I have to. So I'm getting my money's worth out of this I, one, baby. I am. <laughs> yup. And there better be a stale bagel at the end. So that's all I say. Or a oh green my God. banana. Yeah. Yeah. So now do you have any races between now and the end of October when you are running another stunningly beautiful half marathon, the Columbia River Gorge half as part of our retreat in late October Uh, here in Oregon? Um, So there is a half in Akron, Ohio, um, which I had signed up for two years ago and then it got delayed and I just deferred. and figured I'd make that decision later. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still making that decision. <laughs> it's it's, in it's September, later, Adrian. So it's later. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, it's September 26th, I think, or the 27th. It's one of those. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do it, barring yeah. any, you know, weirdness. Um, and I can visit my oldest child at college on the way back because she's oh. only about. I don't know, 40 minutes from Akron. So that'd be nice through there on the way back up. Yeah. 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 And Um, um, I mean, it'll be nice for me. She may be like, mom, I don't need to see you right now, but Hey, you know what? (laughs) You'll give her advance notice. You're not just going to drop in. I will. No. Yeah. 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 And our former colleague Maggie, uh, I know that she was aiming for the Akron marathon to be her debut marathon so Mm. i wonder if she will have transferred her um registration and be at that race so well Uh, yeah 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 Yeah. well so for the topic of the show there's few things i love more than what i think of as think topics like episodes that kind of make you mull over the topic long after you've listened and kind of more intangible topics for lack of a better term And, and i suspect this episode is one of them 
our guest, and I'm going to butcher her last name, um, is Dr. <laughs> Jackie um, Horman Elliott. She's an assistant professor of English at Texas Woman's University. Jackie's recent book is called Running, Thinking, Writing. And the book examines the relationship between the act of writing and physical activity. And Adrian, who is, I'm going to um, sing your praises now, Adrian, <laughs> you're, you're the author of three um, I'm calling them memoirish um, mm-hmm. books, including last year's "Somebody's Got to Do It." Why cursing at the news won't save the nation, but your name on a local ballot can. So I figure you are the perfect person to talk about um, the dive into the topic of writing as it merges with running. So you and and hey, I'm the author of four books, three of them <laughs> with Dimity McDowell. Uh, um, so Adrian, you and I will talk to this professor, writer, and mother runner after this break. Stick around. It's the bomb diggity when something is stylish and functional. So it's no surprise I'm in love with Knockaround, the affordable, attractive sunglasses that are perfect for running. They're now my go-to accessories on my runs, and my eyes are super grateful. Thanks to the polarized lenses, I can feel my eyes, cheeks, jaw, shoulders, even my arms relax as I run, no matter how sunny it is. We've turned on a ton of gals and guys onto Knockaround this year, but if the brand Knockaround is new to you, let me fill you in. Knockaround pioneered the affordably priced, high-quality sunglasses category in 2005. Now an industry leader, Knockaround is inspired by a melting pot of sports, fashion, music, art, and the surrounding lifestyle. A few product highlights. Knockarounds have a super lightweight and durable polycarbonate frame. They offer a polarized option to knock out glare. They have impact-resistant lenses with FDA-approved full UV40 sun protection. They're available in tons of fun colors to match all your running outfits. They serve up a great collection of kids' sunglasses too, and the prices start at $20. As you might know, Dimity and I designed custom pairs of knockaround sunglasses, which have been a huge hit. So much so, the Sarah style is sold out until early August. Holla! To check out the Dimity, which are pretty in pink, and see all the other high-quality shades, head to knockaround.com. It's spelled just like it sounds. K-N-O-C-K-A-R-O-U-N-D.com. Knockaround.com. I consider myself pretty savvy in the kitchen yet I used to always be nervous about cooking fish at home. This summer, all that's changed. With simple techniques and high-quality seafood from Wild Alaskan, I'm preparing restaurant-quality dishes in my own kitchen and on the grill. And I like our family getting our nutrition from nature. The Wild Alaskan Company sources wild-caught seafood from Alaska and the Pacific Northwest. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably-sourced, wild-caught salmon right to your door. Each shipment contains premium, wild-caught, individually-wrapped portions of delicious seafood, salmon, whitefish, or a combination that's ready to prepare and easy to cook. Wild Alaskan Company seafood is how nature intended it to be, always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. Lately, to keep the heat out of our kitchen, we've been grilling our wild Alaskan fillets. A few nights ago, my husband Jack and I enjoyed salmon with homemade salsa fresca, and I served grilled fish tacos to some friends visiting from Chicago. Those tacos were a big hit. Right now, you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash AMR. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash AMR for $15 off your first box. wildalaskancompany.com slash AMR. Be sure to use that URL to let them know that we sent you wildalaskancompany.com slash AMR. Whether you're running, exploring a new city on vacation, or heading to your parked car, you always want to feel safe. 
With Birdie, you can keep doing what you love and living your life with added peace of mind. Birdie is a personal safety alarm designed to be easy to carry and simple to use. A Birdie is the size and shape of a regular keychain, yet when you activate your Birdie with a quick pull, the alarm will emit a loud 130 decibel siren and flashing strobe light to help deter an attack. I confess, I haven't sounded the alarm, yet I know it's 130 decibels, like I said, which is as loud as a chainsaw or a clap of thunder. Unlike pepper spray or other deterrents, Birdie is no danger to you, and Birdie goes wherever you do. The alarm has a brass keychain, so you can attach it to your keyring or purse. It stows easily in the pocket of your running shorts or capris. Birdie was created by two moms, in part because they wanted their kids to be safer when they headed off to college. I've given Birdie to each of my three kiddos. They all liked having a choice of five colors. I liked feeling I was empowering their safety. Right now, She's Birdie is offering our listeners 15% off their first purchase when you go to she'sbirdie.com slash AMR. Go to she's birdie, spelled S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E dot com slash AMR for 15% off your first purchase. Jackie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I'm so happy you're here. Uh, so just to jump right in. Um, so how many kids do you have and what are their ages? So I have three kids and the first one I did not give birth to, but she's my bonus child, my stepdaughter, Elizabeth, and she's about to be 11. Um, and then I have two more that I did give birth to. So that's the first one is Barrett. He's about to be four in a month. And then I have another one, Bo, B-A-U, which is like a very common dog name now, I've found. <laughs> um, Bo, B-E-A-U, not B-O. Um, and he is, I think, 20 months now. Maybe he just turned 21 months, but, you know, you start to kind of lose count. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got my three, and they keep me really busy. Yeah, you're in the thick of it, too, with the, the small ones, so... Yeah, there are a lot right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and you have many, many things on your plate. Uh, detail your day job for us. Yeah. So um, what I do is I'm a assistant professor of English here at Texas Women's University in Denton, Texas. And so my day job looks like, you know, teaching my writing classes, teaching my writing pedagogy classes, um, teaching professional writing classes. So there's what I teach, but there's also you know, service, so serving on different committees, um, my administrative work as the director of our first year writing program here. And then of course, there are expectations for my research. And so that's, you know, I'm really interested in cognition and writing and embodiment. And so that's kind of where I gravitate in terms of my scholarly interests. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm always trying to work and write at something Nice, nice. And I do have to ask, why is um, the name of the university, why is it singular? Why is it woman's university? That's a really good question. Um, so I believe, and my understanding, it's gone through several different names over the years, but the last time they renamed it, and they're always talking about renaming it, you know, like Texas humans. I mean, I, that kind of thing. <laughs> but they're like, you know, because we have men here, like we're oh. co-ed now. Oh. Uh, and we have oh. non-binary individuals. Mm -hmm. um, not a lot mm -hmm. of men, but we, we have some, I think we're 88% female still. But Texas Woman's, the singular comes from, I think when the last name change happened, they wanted to think about um, the Texas woman as like a universal idea of womanhood mm. in, in Texas specifically. Mm. So hmm. it's a little different, I know. Yeah. <laughs> 
because <laughs> I saw it and I'm like, I must have. That must be a typo. But anyway, yeah. I know everybody spells it Texas yeah. women's, and you have to go back and correct. So. <sighs> All right. Well, Jackie, I know that you, like Adrian, just jumped into in-person racing this past weekend. I know you did a 5K, and I suspect you're a person who doesn't mm-hmm. humble brag, so I'll do it for you. You finished first in your age group and third woman overall. So kudos to you. And tell us a little bit about what it was like to be back out there racing in person. Well, thank you for that. It is a little embarrassing, but it is also really fun. Um to, to kind of get back to that and, and racing a little bit more competitively. Um, it felt great. You know, like I, the collective effervescence of that experience and writers or excuse me, runners coming together in community with each other and like the spectacle of a race. I am kind of, I, I usually run alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love a race day event and I just love seeing people come together to do that. And it feels so good afterwards. It feels like a massage for your brain a little bit. You know, it's really relaxing to go through that experience. (laughs) Well, it's good. You can say that running fast like that is relaxing. So that's good. Oh, well, you know, maybe not in the thick of it, but then you come out and you get that bottled water and you get to watch everybody just be happy at the finish Mm. line. And I love that. I live for that. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. So was it while you were running that the idea of the book came to you? Yes, I wouldn't say immediately, but the idea for this book, you know, it wasn't originally a book. It was originally a, hmm, you know, I'm in my doctoral study program at Texas Christian University. And I'm thinking about what am I going to write like a 150 page dissertation on? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is just what I couldn't stop thinking about is I would go out on these runs and would turn over these ideas for my writing. And I would talk to other people who were doing that too. And I was always really interested in them. So I started to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle into place and I wrote one thing and it became a larger thing. And then I got to the end um, when I, you know, started my job here at Texas Women's University. And I thought, well, I've written a lot of pages about this and I've done several studies on it. What if I pulled them all together and, and put them into a book and pursued that. And it's been really fun to write. And so what I will do is I will turn over ideas or like parts of the book in my brain and like, well, do I want to do this kind of narrative or what do I want to say here? How is this a teachable moment kind of opportunity in the book? So I think about those things when I run a lot. So it came together, came together over like many little runs, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh that makes total sense yeah yeah so so i love this bit in your book you write whether running or walking these forms of forward movement render our minds ready to receive exhilarating insights about ourselves as embodied individuals so i love so much what's conveyed in this sentence especially the quote exhilarating insights and quote ourselves as embodied individuals and that last bit really hits home with me because it's a big reason why I run or particularly swim is to remind myself I'm alive and I have a body because I feel sometimes I just exist in my head. So it's nice to remember that I have, you know, a corporeal form. Um, So can you elaborate a bit on forward motion, rendering our minds open and receptive? Yes. So much. Yes. (laughs) Everything you said I can relate to. Um, So Oh gosh, there's just so much to say. First, I'll say 
not all forms of forward motion are necessarily equal. I think any form of forward motion can be helpful to the creative process, but they're experienced differently. And I know there's a study I cite somewhere in the book where they talk about different forms of training and they talk about, you know, like aerobic walking versus um, resistance training and exercise. And there's just something about aerobic activity that is really conducive to creative thinking um, and, and any kind of form of creation. And so I just think that's really interesting. Um, there was another study in the book where we talked about um, uh, BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is like a molecular fertilizer uh, produced within the brain that supports structural remodeling um, of that and, and aids in learning. And so all of that is to say, um, there are things that are happening and they're really interesting. But when you say open and receptive, what I think is really interesting there, Sarah, is um, when we are open to these forms of creativity that we embody, because that's not natural, right? You know, we're taught to write in classrooms. We're taught to write at desk. We're taught to write in a very sedentary fashion. Mm -hmm. um, but our thinking doesn't just happen in our brains, like you described, right? You have to kind of get out of your brain sometimes mm -hmm. to feel alive and creative. Our, our thinking happens all over our body. You know, you can envision like the nerves that stretch through your limbs and everything like that. Um, and so when we talk about things like embodied cognition, which is a concept and it's in the title of the book, you know, what I'm saying there and what I'm thinking about and researching is what does our thinking about writing or any creative endeavor look like when we embody it? Mm. Um, and there are several different, you know, theoretical concepts on embodied cognition and without boring everyone to death. Mm. The one that I think is really interesting is they talk about recruiting the body mm. um, and reducing your cognitive load. Mm. So, you know, I think some people when they run and to write or engage in another form of creative, you know, activity, they're trying to run away from those writing problems hmm. so they can come back to them with like a fresh perspective, right? We have to kind of offload. Um, but then there are also people who run into those problems or those things that challenge us in writing. And then we feel them in a very different way. Um, so the body kind of processes and the mind processes, you know, in tandem to work out these really beautiful creative ideas that aren't going to come when you're just kind of hunched over, you know, in your rolly chair or anything like that. <laughs> it's like you're in the room with me. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no, you're too. Here I am correcting my posture as I speak. <laughs> uh, so in the book, you examine several well-known writers and their relationship to running. Um, are there any that, does one in particular stand out for you? Oh my goodness. I mean, there are so many. And the one that I always find very entertaining, and actually, I don't know if I, I don't think I included this one in the book, but Max Weber, you know, the, the father of sociology, mm -hmm. um, gave a speech back in the day, and he's talking about his friends and basically citing them. And he says, you know, I have this buddy over here that says his best ideas come when he's smoking a large cigar. And I have this other one over here, Herman von Helmholtz. And he says, my ideas come to me when I'm walking up a slowly ascending street. Um, but they never occur to us when it pleases us. I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, they never occur um, to us when it pleases us um, and never while brooding at our desks. And I always thought that was a really uh, yeah. lovely quotation because there are cigars and brooding. And I just think that's kind of what writing looks like for a lot of people. It's a little uh, 
stark and individual, but what I think is really hard about this work and this project, this book project, is it's really hard to find women's voices mm-hmm. on writing and running. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a real lack of representation, and there are several reasons as to why that is. You know, one of it, or one of the things that we have to consider and has been documented is, you know, running didn't really become popular until the 1960s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. And when it did, it was in response to, you know, that post-World War II baby boom culture of excess and indulgence and, and people were putting on weight. And so men were actually the first ones to kind of pick up and run um, because as men, they could do that at the time, you know, it wasn't frowned upon and they thought women were going to hurt their ovaries and things right. like that. Right. So, you know, it, it was, um, and then before that, it was very plebeian, you know, you see like the great romantic poets mm. um, and the transcendentalists and the peripatetics and all these other groups of thinkers who talk about walking, mm. but if you're going to run, you know, that's something that's very working class or low brow. Mm. Um, but then out of necessity, like I was saying, I'm going to go in the sixties and seventies, we start to see more people turning to running and women get more into running in the late sixties and seventies, you know, with Catherine Switzer and Boston marathon and mm-hmm. all of that. So I think that's really interesting and in why we don't have more female voices talking about writing and running through history. Mm. There's not a lot, but there is one I really like, and it's from Louisa May Alcott. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. And that one, um, and she says, I always thought I must have been a deer or a horse in a former state because it was such a joy to run. Mm. Well, I have to say, did you by chance watch the Apple Plus series Dickinson? Because um, I haven't watched season two, so no spoilers. But um, <laughs> see, so it's about Emily Dickinson, and in one episode, uh, Adrian, did you, did you watch Dickinson? I did not. Oh my no. gosh, it's so go- it's so good. <laughs> and um, here I am talking to a professor about television, so and streaming services. But um, so Louisa May Alcott visits Emily Dickinson in the show. And um, and it's played by uh, Zosha Mamet. Louisa May Alcott is the <laughs> woman who's from Girls. And um, so anyway, so they go out on a run. And it says almost exactly that because Dickinson, despite it being campy and um, kind of a modern spin on it a little bit, it's based on history. And so she says basically that the Louisa May Alcott character says that when they go out on a run about how it helps her with her writing. So Jackie, you totally need to watch Dickinson. <laughs> I totally need to watch Dickinson. I've written it down. Yes. I'm going to tell my husband yep. we've got homework to do. Yeah. And I have to say, so I watched yep. it by, I've seen the whole series twice or the season one twice through first time I watched it by myself. Cause I thought, Oh, my husband will hate this. And my husband, Jack loved it. Like just loved it. So anyway, <laughs> what a good husband. So, That's great. Yeah. So, um, so speaking of, of women writers, though, you do talk about Joyce Carol Oates, who um, I, mm-hmm. I love some of her, particularly her earlier work. Um, and you say running as a generative thinking exercise. And that's a snippet I pulled from your book where you write about the novelist Joyce Carol Oates and her profound love of running, which I had no idea. Um, so um, so few folks in our professional writers um who are listening, I would assume, you know, it's as a percentage of our listening audience, but kind of expanding the term as you have to talk about more um, 
creative endeavors or writing in a journal or if they blog as a hobby, something like that. Can you talk about how running basically creates ideas and solutions? You've touched on it, but if you could expound on that, please. Yeah, absolutely. So Joyce Carol Oates, um, whose work I admire so much, her book, The Faith of Writer, is just so good. So good. Um, you know, she talks about it in terms of nourishing the imagination. Mm. And I really like that description mm. because you don't have to be a writer, right, to need to come up with ideas um, while you're running for anything. You know, you can work out your relationship issues. You can work out just any kind of problem at work. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's what writing is, right? It's relationships between ideas and how we present them. And that applies to our lives in so many different ways. Um a related reading recommendation that I think will appeal to all runners in this community that's listening is, um, have you read Dr. Jeffrey Brown, mm. Jeffrey Brown's, um, the runner's brain? No, mm -mm. it's really good. It really helped put some things in perspective for me. And he talks in there about, um, different, uh, attentional patterns and styles and runners. Mm. And one of them that I see happening in what I study is called internal dissociation. And so without getting technical, it's, you know, where you kind of, instead of focusing on like your breathing and your pace and things like that, you're focusing on your problems, uh, the past, your family, your work problems, your grocery list, even, <laughs> right? Like I have definitely been that mom on a run thinking like, okay, what am I going to make for dinner on Tuesday? Yep. What am I going to make when the in-laws come over? <laughs> and so it's just, you know, ideas and solutions. And there's something about like a sweat inducing lap around the block where you're just like, okay, I have all these things on my brain and if I'm just going to run, it's going to push everything down beneath my feet mm. and, and the things that I really need to be focusing on for ideas and solutions, I think kind of come up, mm. you know, they lift up. And so mm -hmm. it's, that's how it's really helpful to me. And I think other writers or anybody. My, mm -hmm. my biggest problem then is remembering what I had decided. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's yeah, like, okay, so I need to remember these three things. <laughs> it's so true. I can relate. Yeah, it's so true. I get out and I'm like, these are the three <laughs> things. And then I get home and I'm like, yeah, there were three things and I can only remember two. So I know yep. there's one that I left out yeah. there. <laughs> I think my neighbors are crazy because I am that person. I will pull out the phone while I'm sometimes even listening to your podcast and I will just type text to myself as notes. I'm like, oh, I thought about the, you know, just so I don't forget later. But I do think my neighbors think I'm nuts because just the way I've run. And, yeah. 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 So, I mean, what is it about the activity of that rhythmic motion that allows us our minds to work differently while doing it that is a big yeah. loaded question yeah yeah Sarah. i realized that yeah yeah you wrote an entire <laughs> book about it yeah yeah well i know you know i mean there's just so many different studies and so many different perspectives you know um so like neurophysiologically um psychologically like there's so many different ways to analyze what's happening in our brains mm. um and so there, there have been studies done on um, like the cerebellum or the hippocampal region and how that helps, you know, with like retaining memory, especially as we age um, and running kind of lights up those different areas of the brain that aid with like memory, learning, um, creative development, it, you know, neuroplasticity, right? Running changes our brains and that can help with different creative endeavors mm -hmm. too. Um, one study that I thought was really interesting is... Um, it was conducted about 10 years ago and it was on gamma waves. And they talk about 
when the running speed of these runners they studied increased, so did the rate um, at which the gamma waves increase in their brain. And gamma waves specifically, you know, there's all different kinds of brain waves, but gamma waves look um, or support cognitive function. So things like attention, you know, like we were just talking a minute ago, like attention to a task. I'm thinking about this problem. I'm not thinking about five different problems in my life. I am increasing my attention and focus on one, mm -hmm. you know, writing or life problem. Um, and then learning and just general awareness of your surroundings. So there are a lot of ways to talk about it and analyze it, but I suffice to say, I think it is extremely complicated because the complexity of our brains is just something to marvel at. And that's why I think these twin activities of running and writing are just so complementary, mm -hmm. you know, because they're so complicated mm -hmm. and yeah. rich. Mm. So one thing that I kind of tap into when talking about running and writing is the idea of practice and of routine, um, because, you know, there are always days where you wake up and you're just like, ugh, I have to, you know, you're not thinking, oh, I get to go for a three mile run this morning. You're like, ugh, geez, uh, I have to go out and schlep around for three miles and I'll come home and I'll do it. Um, but you do it because that's what you do. Like that's the routine and that's the thing that you do. And at least for me, I've found that with writing, um, there are, if you wait for the muse to strike, she never is going to do that. So you just have to keep sitting in a chair. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's, you know, it's two hours of torture. Um, but you just keep doing it because it's, you just keep practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. Um, is that something you've found as well? Or am I, am I an outlier on this one? No, I mean, I think you are there and you are giving the kind of sage advice that I think so many others have tried to articulate, but people don't always want to take that advice. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean, habit habits are difficult to establish, right? To kind of get into the practice and the swing of things. Um, that's really hard to do in our running, and it's really hard to do in our writing. And we have to kind of work on the, through the deeper psychological layers of why that is. Mm -hmm. But in both, you know, to your point, um, for me, that's why I'm doing my little streak mile challenge this year, where I'm just trying to run one mile a day every day, is, you know, it's... Um, what do they talk about in habit studies? It's a uh, cue routine reward. You know, right. cue is I wake up, I, you know, go to the bathroom, brush my teeth. I put on my running shoes because I sleep in my running clothes. <laughs> you know, you set yourself up for that success. You go through that routine and the reward is like, it's done. And I feel great. Like it's my coffee. Um, cause I don't actually drink coffee. I'm too jittery uh -huh. and hyper uh -huh. to drink coffee. Uh -huh. So running is like my coffee. It wakes me up in the morning. Um, and the same is true for writing. And I think because the writing is harder mm -hmm. um, because writing is such, or at least it's taught is such a solitary activity. Um, and it doesn't have to be certainly, you know, people start writing groups and things like that, but it, it's, it seems very individual in the same way running is like an individual sport, but people tend to train together. Um, and so I think it's harder for people to understand or get into writing practices because there is so much resistance to writing. It's like second to public speaking a little right. bit, you know, like people just kind of dread it unless you're, you know, a little adept at it and trained in it and used to it and you create that habit or you create the kind of cues, routines, reward um, 
patterns that set you up to be successful in either. So it's really not science. It just kind of boils down to, um, well, I guess it is a little bit, but it's just, you know, basic human psychology of if right. we do this, this moves into motion. Um, and there are so many metaphors that can fly between the two because they're so similar in that way. Right. right. Yeah, that's the advice that nobody ever wants to hear when it comes to writing is, <laughs> no, no, really, what's the secret? It's like, man, you sit in a chair and you do the thing. That is the secret. And maybe now it's to go out for a run or a fast forward right. walk. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Um, so talk please about the idea of flow in both writing and running, you know, as both a writer and a runner, I strive for both, but they can, can be so elusive or fleeting in both endeavors. Yeah, they can be. Um, so flow, which is from positive psychology, you know, is when you become deeply immersed or engaged in activity um, that is challenging. So, you know, writing can be really challenging, but I think most of us, whether we like writing or not, can relate to this idea of like, sometimes when the writing feels good, it feels really good, you know, like you get to feel really creative and engaged. And the same is true for running. Like, um, Everybody says like, don't trust that first mile or some people say don't trust the first 20 minutes and then you get into that runner's high, that flow state where you've got equal parts um, challenge and attainability. Mm. Um, so there's there's a lot to compare between the two um, and flow can apply in other areas of our life, you know, running certainly. Uh, but for anybody listening, you know, it doesn't just have to be writing. It could be playing chess. It could be painting, playing the piano. There are all these other creative activities. Mm -hmm. And I think running is a creative activity too. You know, we don't think about it in that way, but they're really similar in terms of being flow activities and that we are challenging ourselves. We're gaining something. It feels um, effortless and we lose a sense of time and we come out of it uh, generally feeling really good. Um, and then, you know, and you can kind of compare the two because sometimes, you know, for me, at least like the writing isn't going well, or the writing isn't going well. And you kind of learn from the other, like, okay, you know, it's, it's hard now, but maybe I just need to analyze my conditions. Maybe it's just because of the crappy weather, or maybe it's because, um, I really don't understand this project or, I'm really nervous to run with all these other people. And so you have to kind of figure out um, how to set the conditions for yourself to kind of thrive, you know, in flow states. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thriving. Mm -hmm. That's another thing we all strive for too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it seems like more and more people are turning to journaling these days uh, as a way to process emotions and experiences. Um, for folks, and I'm assuming this is a lot of our listeners who are also runners, are there some practical pointers you can give to them? Yeah, journaling is really interesting to me. I actually just had my students this past semester keep, um, you know, kind of like a little journal, but it was like an embodied writing blog where I asked them to move their bodies a little bit every day mm. and to also do a little bit of writing every day. So going back to our conversation about practice, like I wanted them to get into the practice of checking in with both because I remember being that college student and just, like I said earlier, languishing um, and just not feeling your best, you know? So uh, I had them do that and it was really interesting to see so many of them would say, I wasn't writing for class. I was just writing for myself. I started journaling for myself again. And that pulled me through, you know, especially for these poor students who are trying to go to college, some for the first time in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they needed that 
time to check in with themselves mentally, creatively, emotionally. Um, so because they were required to do it, which they didn't love the requirement, part, I think, <laughs> but they got used to it, right? A few weeks in, they're like, okay, I can do this. I see the purpose in this. And it's, it's really interesting. So that's another study that I'm working on right now. Um, but journaling, I think is really interesting because I think that certainly we know there, there's, there are a lot of research studies conducted talking about, you know, and, um, AA programs, they tried journaling for six weeks and people, you know, had an easier time kicking their addictions or just like different studies that have been done to show that journaling is very therapeutic. Um, but I think people don't journal for themselves, Hmm. whether they're, you know, runners or moms or anything like that because it's aggrandized or it's put on this pedestal of like, oh, I'm going to journal at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I need to write five pages of brilliance just in case someone sees it or (laughs) (laughs) there's like some pressure on journaling. I think a lot of people don't know how to journal for themselves Mm. Um, or it feels like writing. It feels like a chore. They'd rather go to Netflix. They don't want to turn to that. And so something that I have been doing for almost five years now is I have one of those five-year journals. Have you seen those? no. Yeah, um, I, I just, fig- found- oh, just figured out what to get Sarah for her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not everybody's cup of tea, but I really like them. Sarah, are you a journaler? I, I have. I used to keep a daily log in um, a kind of day calendar, but I stopped doing that. Um, so, and when I travel, I journal, but uh, in my day to day life, no. Yeah, that's interesting. I used to journal more when I was traveling too, but you know, I haven't been traveling as much. um, But so there's something called a five-year journal. And actually the first time I'd ever heard of this and you can, they're on Amazon, like you can go find them anywhere. There's different kinds and different setups. But the first time I heard of it was when I was at the writing ashram or the Shreve ashram in uh, Northern Germany. And I was working on the beginnings of this book And my roommate was this lovely German woman, and she was um, writing in her five-year journal about her ex-boyfriend. And I just asked her what she was doing, you know, because I'm a writer and I'm interested. She's writing across the room from me. And I was like, oh, what are you writing about? She told me, she's like, I keep this little five-year journal and it's really helpful to put in perspective, you know, my good days and my bad days. Hmm. Um, And so then I came out of this writing ashram and a few months later, I became pregnant with my son, Barrett, who's almost four. And I thought just instantly, um, one of my first thoughts was, oh, I want to start a five-year journal. Hmm. Like I want to record, you know, how everything in my body and my son's life in those first few years, like, I want to know, like, what was he measuring at? Uh, when did I stop running? And so I have a record of all those things because I log, um, and so I like the five-year journal and I think it's really accessible, especially for, busy moms or even just runners because it's only got a few lines. Like it's like three, four, five lines each day Mm. and you write in the day. And so what I do when I record at the end of each day, and sometimes I'll miss a day or two here and there and I'll go back, but I can see, I'm like, oh yeah, on this day last year, you know, uh, I was pulling my hair out because of work stress and um, we were struggling with potty training. And then you get to see like the next year, like you get to see all those days line up. You get to see the good days and the bad days. Mm -hmm. And it just takes a few lines. And so I think that's really accessible for my students and other people or, or busy moms, because it doesn't have to be this grand thing. It's just something you do every day. And I hope when I'm done with it, uh, one day my kids will be interested in, you know, what their lives were like in these early years. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and look at that. So, and I think runners do that too. You know, there's Thomas Gardner. He uh, has a book of lyrical essays that were featured. Um, it's called the Poverty Creek Journal. And he basically jotted down little notes after every run for a whole year. And that became like his notebook and he turned it into a book. So, hmm. Hmm. yeah. Interesting. And you're making me listening to you talk. I'm like, huh, maybe I need to get back to it. Cause what I did in the count, the day calendar was very similar. It didn't have a ton of space. So it, um, yeah. Hmm. Well, you're selling me on yeah, it. Maybe that's your next book, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my goodness. Well, Jackie, five years in Portland. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, Jackie, it's been lovely talking with you and I'm so glad that you approached us about being a guest. Cause you, um, indeed were a great guest so thank you well thank you so much it's just so fun to talk to you know both of you and I, I think I've said this or shared this with you previously but I am such a fan of this podcast and it has really helped me mm. um as a mother and a runner oh, and yeah just hearing about people's highs and lows mm. and so I think it's really interesting work that y'all are doing here so thank you for that thank you thank you that's lovely to hear take care Jackie thank you you too Sarah and Adrian. So Adrian, are you a journaler? Um, I wish I were, but I am not. But oh. I like the idea of the five-year journal where you can just write a sentence or two. Yeah, I think it, now I really want to, um, well, I don't want to go back in time. I do not want to go back in time. <laughs> Jeannie, if you're listening, I do not want to go back in time. But Yes, but, I do not. Yes, but it would be, it would be interesting because recently I was thinking back to a year ago and I just it's not pleasant to think about so but it might be interesting yeah interesting. and I sometimes think how did we get by each day and so um but Ugh. so now that the world is yeah. um so it just yes go ahead I was just gonna say it dawned on me that Facebook does that for me oh yeah that's true yeah for I, I'm 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 not a because it it has that you know yeah, I'm not, a, so, I'm not a personal Facebooker because um, we use it so much for work. But um, yeah, so that's your record. So sometimes I'll read them and just be like, I have no memory of what this was about. Um, <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, now I remember that. Right, right. Oh, my goodness. Well, all right. Well, very exciting around the AMR parts because we are launching our fourth iteration of our popular Love the Run You're With virtual race series. Uh, that's happening on Monday, um, uh, July 26. Yes, that's the day we are opening up registration. And we're going to be serving up a training plan for three virtual races, one each in September, October, and November. November. Plus, there's amazing swag <laughs> and a supportive, motivating community. The training program is 15 weeks long. It's perfectly compatible with training for an in-person half marathon or marathon this fall because we're we're not dumb we realize people will be going back to racing in person so um dimity really wanted to add a value put in a value add in part uh to get people who are training for actual in-person races so she is developing because dim's the coach on this one um five minutes a day of strength and recovery streaks because as Jackie was talking about, people love their streaks. So um, that's going to be in the program. 
and uh, especially excited that each participant gets an exclusive limited edition Corsa tank top with the most amazing design on it. Our graphic designer really outdid herself with um, the design for this round of the race series. So participants will also get, we love it so much, they'll also get a stylish water bottle that I am actually going to forbid my kids from borrowing for fear they'll lose it. Uh, you might think I- Good luck, yeah, good luck. Yeah, oh my gosh. My son thinks it's really funny to carry an another mother runner water bottle Ugh. with him because then people are like, oh, what's your bottle say? And they're like, what? Um, mm. Yeah, so he said that he tells them, uh, that's my mom's business. I said, it's your mom's brand, honey. Yes, yes. You should give them some cards to hand <laughs> right, out or something. Right. Um, so like I said, registration opens on Monday, July 26th, and the program itself kicks off on Monday, August 9th. Find all the details and register at anothermotherrunner.com under the training tab. Again, that's anothermotherrunner.com, our newly redesigned website under the training tab. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by lovely Alex Ward, who is sitting here next to me from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Happy miles.